Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkman and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 12 and this time we're all about electric cars. I almost bought one last year but I didn't quite do it. But if you are buying a car, they've quite suddenly become a serious option. There are now lots of them on the market in all vehicle segments. So what do you need to know about the lifestyle change? I had a chat with Geraldine Herbert, Irish independent motoring journalist and a regular on our airwaves these days. She knows all about what's available and we talk through the pros and cons. This technology is definitely coming, but if you are about to go electric, there are a few things you should know. You can also check out previous episodes where we meet people like Shane Ross, Teresa Mannion, Ivan Yates, Frankie Sheehan, Nula Carey, Teresa Mannion and others. Names you'll know and some you won't have met. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkner and you can email me at connorfaulkner at gmail.com. But now let's go and meet Geraldine and learn a bit about what we're all likely to be driving in the near future. Geraldine Herbert, hello, how are you? Hello, Connor. So we're going to have a little chat about e-cars. And, um, you know, the, the, there are people who are wavering, will I go for it? Will I go for it now? Will I wait a couple of years? Um, if you were buying a brand new car for yourself now, Geraldine, what would you weigh over in your mind and, and what way do you think you'd fall? Yeah, Connor, I think my big consideration would be like for most people is apart from the cost now is what is the value going to be like in a couple of years time? Now, most people buying a new car are thinking in, in terms of trading it in maybe in three to four years. So if we if we fast forward to three or four years, that 2030 deadline for the, the end of the sale of petrol and new petrol and diesel cars, it's going to be looming quite largely. So I think you have to keep that in mind. If you're not ready to go electric and you do go down the route of petrol and diesel, what is the depreciation going to be like on it? The other consideration is we see with every budget, the polluter pays policy being implemented by the government. So there's no doubt that petrol and diesel cars are going to become far more expensive to run over the next few years. So even if you're thinking to yourself, do you know what, I can't make that leap to an electric car, I would be considering just weighing up the options. It may not be something you thought of, but, you know, what is that car, that petrol or diesel car going to be worth in three or four years' time and how much is it going to cost me? Yeah, well, you know, in a sense, cars have always been like that, Geraldine, haven't they? Because, uh, you know, when you one of the things the AA used to do, well, I don't know whether they still do, um, but they calculate the annual, the full cost of owning and running a car every year. Um, and one of the big ones in there is depreciation, because if you buy a brand new car, the very first thing it does is go down in value by 20%. So, um, but we tend not to think of that financial hit, do we? Because it's a, it's a five-year purchase, it's a seven-year purchase that we're making. We don't. And people are really bad at doing that. And there was actually a very interesting survey in Nature magazine, I think it was two years ago, um, on German motors. And they found that almost half of them totally underestimated the cost of running a petrol or diesel car. Now, obviously, yeah. if you do that, then you also underestimate the value of alternative forms of transport and electric cars. So I think people are really, really bad at total cost of ownership. So then when you flip that and say to people considering electric cars, look beyond the purchase price and look at total the cost of ownership, 
that just seems something strange to them again. So I think yeah. we really have to get it into people's minds. And I know the AA did a great job for years, but it doesn't <laughs> seem to have got into the, you know, into the mind of most motorists is it's not the purchase price. You need to look at the total package. And that's yeah. where electric cars really make sense. But again, you know, Connor, people don't do that. They walk into a car dealership. They see a similarly, see the, the problem I think with electric cars at the moment is it's not the price, but it's the price when you compare it to similarly sized petrol and diesel cars. Motorists well, exactly. see that there's greater value in those cars, even though there isn't when you do the maths over a couple of years, but they just see that they're getting more for their money. Yeah. So let's take, let's take a little look at that. I mean, the, the, the electric cars themselves are fantastic machines. I mean, for, for a driver, if you're in an electric car, you know, in the city or doing a little bit of mixed interurban mileage, it's a fantastic driving experience, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, there's so many people who say to me, oh, you know, I don't know about electric cars. And the first question I always ask is, have you driven one? And most people would say no. So I would urge people to say, go out, drive one. If you can, even if you're just dropping your car in for a service and your local dealership has an electric car, just ask them to take it out for an hour or two. Because it's it's almost impossible to explain. It's not that they're different to drive and they're not that they're, Mm. you know, you'll sit into them and you won't have a clue how to do it. I also stress that as well. They're not that different, but they are. They're just like an automatic, aren't they? I mean, if you've driven an automatic. Simple to drive, yeah. yeah. They're simple to drive in that sense, but there is there is a different quality, and I do think there's a different way of driving and a different kind of mindset of driving an electric car, and it's well worth just trying. Yeah, they are brilliant. Um, in particular, if you in any way love gadgets or the future, they clearly are the future. They're just a superior technology. Um, but we've been using the internal combustion engine for a century. We're very, very used to it. Um, so, it, 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 in, in in terms of what is available, let's say you've got. 40 grand or, or that sort of money to spend, Geraldine. Um, your, your, your options there for electric. Um, yeah, what, I mean, there's lots, of, there's lots out there in terms of what's popular as well. I mean, like there's the Nissan Leaf, which has been around forever, basically. But there's, you know, the latest version is really, really good. Comes in various different battery sizes. There's also um, Opel have the um, the Corsa is now available as electric. The Peugeot 208 is available as an electric car. The Hyundai Kona, to me, is probably the best value out there. It's 31,000, I think it is, just 450 kilometres in range. You know, it'll cost you about seven euros uh, to charge fully on the electric nitrate. Now, if you consider, I mean, the AA are predicting that a litre of fuel is going to go to, what, two euros. I mean, seven euros to get 450. Insane. Yeah, it's incredible. So that's the kind of savings that people need to so you're talking you're talking about spending uh, like one of the things that I have in mind is I do a regular trip down to uh, from Dublin to Enniskone in Sligo and it's near enough 500 kilometers for the full round trip um now that'll cost me at the moment uh well near enough 50 euro in diesel um, and that's in an economical diesel car that I have that I drive um but you know for the, in, in, in electric you're talking about what 10%, 15% of that price, if that. Yeah, which is extraordinary when you think about it like that. And also, I mean, that's you're not going to do a 500 kilometre trip in without stopping. So you're going to stop for a cup of coffee yeah. summer. So if you think about it, you're just topping up that car just to get you back or whatever. So, I mean, you know, people need to realise they are the sort of ranges that are available at the moment. And they're genuine ranges. You know, well, they're yeah, not ranges well, that just get behind the, the wheel the, and they're the, gone. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the range thing was obviously one of the ones that uh, that that I was looking at uh, years ago. I had uh, I had a, for two months. I had a Mitsubishi Imiev. I was doing some trial thing with the ESB, and um, 
you know, they, they, they fitted a charge point at my house here and, and, I, and I used it for a couple of months. It was a great uh, car. I really enjoyed the, the e-car driving experience. Now, this was 12 years ago. So it was, you know, the, the cars that are out there are greatly superior to that. It's like think of a very old mobile phone in terms of the quality of, of, of that uh, electric car. But it was a brilliant experience. Um, uh, and so I can certainly see myself, um, I can see myself doing it. Um, but you have to get a charge point installed in your home. Um, it feels like a lifestyle change, Geraldine, really, rather than uh, just 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 changing your fuel. Yeah, I think that's what puts people off. And I think why we see such a shift towards hybrid cars, because they offer an alternative to petrol and diesel, but people don't have to find a charging point. They don't have to have cables. They don't as yeah. you say, they don't have to change this way of living. But I mean, I suppose what I'd say to people is, OK, you just put in the charger once. That's it. Once it's installed, you know, that that's the hard part done. And the thing about the charger as well is you are entitled to a grant of 600 euros towards it. And I was going to mention cases, the grant, yeah. Yeah. Now, in most cases, that should cover quite a lot of it. You may have to add, you know, a 200 euros towards it. It really depends on your own setup and how complex it and, 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 and in, how complex the setup is in your house. If it's fairly straightforward, it should be fine. But yeah. once it's in, that's it. And you can charge nightly or charge weekly or do whatever. But I mean, the thing about it is it's just that convenience of being able to charge at home is something you can't do. Nobody has a filling station in their back garden. So people yeah. should remember that as well. You know, you might need to charge it, but you can do it in the convenience of your own home and that's the cheapest way to do it as well so i mean you know it is well worth installing a charger so you just you just get into the habit and when your car's at home you mm. plug it in and then what that means is that for 90 95 percent of your ordinary car use and um, you just never need to go you know the car is just always charged up adequately for what you need to do and if you do have to do that long drive well, it still seems one of the things I did, Geraldine, was I I, I logged into the um, electric vehicle owners Facebook group, and um, you know there's a lot of them. They're a lovely bunch, and and they're genuinely enthusiasts for electric vehicles. Um, but even as they're telling you how brilliant it is, some of their war stories about charging <laughs> points on the public network, <laughs> um, it, it just it does put people off, Geraldine. I, I think it does, doesn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, going on a long journey takes careful planning and probably far more planning than your normal trip. But there's a few things I would say is, number one, most people don't do those long journeys that regularly. So they shouldn't, you know, a, a journey mm. you make three or four times a year shouldn't dictate the car you buy. That's the first thing. The second That's a fair is, point, yeah. Like anything, there's a knack to extending that range and getting the most out of it. And, you know, when you talk to EV owners, they will tell you in the initial days, in the early days of having an EV, when the network was probably not as good as it is now, that there were those horror stories. But it is getting better. Now, it's patchy in some parts of the country. Um, And depending where you're going, if you go off the beaten track, it mightn't be as good. And the biggest issue really is the slow chargers as opposed to the fast chargers. So there are different charging speeds of different chargers. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. 
plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. We might unpick that a little bit because I think there's plenty of people listening. And when you start talking about the different types of chargers and fast chargers and slow chargers, um, you know, their eyes kind of glaze over. It's like, you know, (laughs) trying trying to explain new technology to people. Um, So what does that mean? I mean, if you you, you can pay a little bit more in the purchase of your electric car and go for one of the bigger batteries in in the range of whatever car you're buying, might be a VW ID4 or whatever it is. Um, And essentially, that means you'll get a bit more range out of your battery. Um, And then explain what the difference is between the fast chargers and the slow ones, Geraldine, particularly on the public network. Okay, so the public network is run by the ESB, and I think there's about 1,300 in total chargers around the country. Now, that's the 32 counties. That's all of Ireland. And the vast majority of them are what we call standard chargers. Now, the problem with these is they would take a couple of hours to really make a significant change to your car, you know, increase in the range yeah. in your and, car. And that's, but, no, that's no good when you when it's a service station equivalent. You want you want to refuel and buy a cup of coffee and be on your way. You know, three three hours at a charge point, that, that, that's... That that's no good to you. So these are on-street ones in what in the towns and cities on the ESB network. Yeah, now these would work fine if you're going shopping for a couple of hours or you're going to the cinema or you're in work for a while, you know, but they don't work. You know, if you've, if you've screaming kids and you're pulling into a fueling station, you want something fast. Now, there are fast chargers. What they do is they charge about 80% of, the, so they'll add about 80% of range for about 30 minutes. So, I mean, these are really, really good. The problem yeah. is, um, Connor, there just isn't enough of them. Now, the ESB are investing 20 million and I think they're about halfway through the investment at the moment. And their plan is to replace a lot of the standard chargers with fast chargers and they're also putting in these super fast hubs which mm-hmm. will literally add about 100 um, kilometers in six minutes so that's you've really got to the stage of just running in getting a cup of coffee and coming out jumping into your car when you get to that point now they're obviously you know it'll take a while to roll those out but the plan is to have more and more of those and then there are easy go and there are you know private companies moving into that space as well yeah. so I mean ideally what you really need are fast chargers so if you're if you're on a long journey you need to work out where they are and remember Remember as well, Connor, from a kind of road safety point of view, you're only supposed to drive for two hours and then take a break. So the ideal way with an electric car is parking should mean charging. So if you can yeah. combine the two, you know, it's, it's not that hard, really. Yeah. And we are going to move there, aren't we? Because, uh, I mean, I can understand the position of somebody who's just wavering now. Will I jump or will I not jump? Um, but definitely in the course of, shall we say, the next decade, it is going to move that way. You'll see more and more electric vehicles on the fleet and 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 the, you know, uh, the service station experience will be a, a, a bank of cables rather than a bank of pumps. Um, and we will have to get into the habit of, of, of you know, pulling in stopping, giving it 10, 15 minutes while we get a cup of coffee or a, a, a packet of crisps for the kids and then back into the car and away we go. 
Absolutely. And I think people don't realise just how fast this is moving because car companies themselves have come out and announced the end of petrol and diesel. You know, So they're no longer putting resources into petrol and diesel engines. All their resources are going into electric cars. And the chances are the petrol or diesel car that you buy today, when you go to replace that in three or four years time, it's simply not going to be available. Yeah. And I notice that more and more with car companies now announcing new models for this year. Nearly all of them are electric. There's very few new petrol and diesel models coming on stream. And that remember, we're only in 2022. So you can yeah. imagine by the middle of the decade, the second half of the decade, you know, I think that's where we're going to see a huge change. I think <coughs> we're going to see electric cars coming in at much lower prices. And similar to... Um, and to Norway, we're going to see that massive shift then when suddenly, yeah. you know, it just becomes much cheaper than a petrol or diesel. It's going to be no option for people but to go electric. Yeah, I know. I've said before that it'll be one of these sort of hockey stick adoption curves where, where you know, initially it was an enthusiast's technology. Um, like if you remember when the iPhone came along first, Jody, however long ago that is, a dozen years or more, uh, around about, well, uh, yeah, little whenever whenever it was, but in the first instance, it, it was the enthusiasts. Um, you knew somebody had an iPhone because they'd show it to you and they'd tell you. Um, and and for a while, it, it was the enthusiasts who had them, and then suddenly, everybody had a smartphone, and now we can't imagine being without one. Uh, electric cars will be like that. Um, pretty much every new car will be electric in 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 the next few years. Yeah, I think absolutely. And we, I mean, it's very much that early adopter model, the same as all technology, really, that we have seen in the past with electric cars. It's been very male predominantly. And as you say, people have bought it for the technology, but now more, like I get emails all the time now from mothers and I get, you know, from yeah. all sorts of older people and all sorts of age groups now that are looking at electric cars. It's no longer, I think we've moved past that early adopter stage now where they really are going to become mainstream. I wouldn't say mainstream yet, but I mean, in January, I think it was 10.8% of the market share was electric. That seems yeah. quite small, but I mean, if you add in the plug-in hybrids, and if you also have in just hybrids, as in a people as you know opting for an alternative to petrol and diesel, one in two cars bought in January were not regular petrol and diesel. So I think you know there's a huge. It's on the way out. No, no, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, the, the internal combustion engines is is on the way out, uh, and you know that that's going to bring some challenges for us as well, Geraldine. Um, we we need to make more electricity. The you know Ireland doesn't make enough. Uh, clean green electricity uh, to facilitate this so that's a problem we have to solve and can't solve it by buying Russian oil it's not not a great way to solve that problem um, so that is going to be there, there are societal challenges built into this switch to EVs aren't, aren't there Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, electric cars are only as green as the electricity that's, that's you know, that they're powered on. And I think we have to be really, you know, that is a really important thing. But we are moving more towards renewables and even uh, the transport and environment um uh, group in Brussels, they do a lot of research on this and they found even um, putting an electric car on the road where it has, you know, a, an un, sort of clean source of energy. If you take somewhere like Poland, I think they have the worst mm. electricity supply in terms of the, the least amount of renewables. Well, they, yeah, they burn free. a lot of coal in Poland. Yeah. They always have. Um, they're still three times better in terms of emissions for overall life cycle than petrol or diesel. So, you know, while there's no doubt the greener the, the supply to electric cars, you know, the, the, the smaller the carbon footprint. But I still think, you know, even if we don't have huge amounts of renewables, there's still better alternatives than, than petrol or diesel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so we're going to we're going to get there. Um, what, what do you think is coming next in the technology, Geraldine? Um, uh, uh, will will they come down in price? Um, 
is there is there prospect of that? As you say, all the manufacturers are bringing new models to the market, and they're all talking about electric vehicles. Um, I was very impressed and surprised to see the amount of money that Volkswagen has committed, and to the they, they're clearly pivoting the entire organisation strategically. And they announced that they were going to spend over seventy billion US dollars uh, on their electric vehicle um, program over this over the course of five years. Astonishing the investment that's going in. Yeah, it's staggering the amounts of money that's going in at the moment. And I mean, that's where you'll see a reduction in the cost. It's the sheer economies of scale. Um, also, more and more cars now are being produced off like dedicated electric um, car platforms. Basically, the difference is what we've seen in the past yeah. is sort of batteries being you know shoehorned into internal combustion, essentially internal combustion cars. And that drives up the cost. Whereas if they produce yeah. them solely on um, EV platforms and they have manufacturing plants that are solely dedicated to electric cars, this all reduces the price, and um, the issue with that so is they're well all going, they they're all going to do for us what Henry Ford did for the Model T. I mean, the sheer <laughs> the sheer scale um, and uh, going into it and, and the speed of production, etc. Um, we should, one hopes, um, see the price come down. Yeah, absolutely. We should. I mean, the issue, I suppose, around the battery is um, the supply of the, the materials that are used in it. Again, some of these are in short supply. That's going to keep prices high. But we do see advances being made in technology to try and, you know, provide more sustainable materials. Um, that would yeah. you know, So it's really battery price is where the significant L- lithium was. Lithium cars. is the um, yeah, lithium is one of the is one of the issues there, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah. Uh, and lithium mining has an appalling environmental uh, and social footprint, and some of the it, it, um, uh, it has a sort of a, an ugly look to it. Um, so we can't sort of rapidly rip out all the lithium wherever we can find it for the sake of electric car batteries. This, you know, this attempt to avoid using fossil fuels, which is definitely a commitment we have to make, but um, you know, it could, there can be collateral damage there too. Oh, yeah, but I mean, there are potential alternatives to those raw materials. And um, there is a development of a new sodium iron iron battery, which a Chinese company are looking at. So car companies are aware of this and it's in their interest not to be using raw materials that are in short supply because it only adds to the cost. And as you said, there's an environmental footprint as well. So, I mean, we will see huge advances in battery technology. I think that's where we're really going to see it. Um, in terms of ranges, I think people have this idea that we're going to produce the 100 or the, the, the 1000 um, yeah. EV car range. I think people have to be careful about that as well. I, I saw a very good article the other day about why you shouldn't buy a car with a very um, with a very long range if you don't need it. And I think this is the thing that people don't um, they they need to keep in mind and they don't think about either. Is you know you don't need something that does five hundred kilometers with a really heavy battery if you don't do five hundred kilometers that regularly. Look at yeah. smaller alternatives, look at cheaper alternatives. Remember, a smaller battery is cheaper to charge. And if you know if if, if two hundred kilometers is all you need, then you know that's then what why you why, why are you paying for more? Yeah, um, yeah. you know a, a lot of us here are in households that have two cars. Now plenty of people aren't, and you know there's um, there are other obstacles to owning an EV. For example, if you are in an apartment um, uh, or perhaps you're renting, you know, you, you you can't take your charge point with you if you move from one rental accommodation to another. Um, you know, the, the, but lots of us are in sort of uh, domestic settings where we're in we're two car households. And if you are a two car household um, for one of those cars to be a short range electric makes perfect sense, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, they're the kind of things that people should look at because like the, the likes of the Honda E or the Mini Electric, they've all been designed with that in mind. The Mazda CX-30 is another one. They don't have huge ranges. They have like sort of 200, 220 or whatever. But I mean, mm. again, if you go back to what most people do, if you're realistic about the type of driving you do, that would suit most people. I mean, they'd be charging it probably once a week if they're only in an urban area. And even if they're outside of an urban area, you might be charging it twice a week or whatever. But again, yeah. these small batteries are much cheaper to charge. So And, you know, and if one, and if one car if one car in the house is a long range car then that's grand that's all we're going to need yeah, absolutely. But again, um, Connor, I've spoke to loads of people who did that and they bought not necessarily a, small, a low range electric car, but an electric car as a second car. And the electric car became the main car. Because again, when people learn to trust the car and trust the range, they realise, you know what, we don't need, you know, the backup yeah. of, an, of a, a petrol or diesel engine anymore. So it's a psychological barrier more than any, as much as anything else. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was talking to uh, Tim O'Brien on the podcast. He's an Irish Times journalist and he's been a, a, an EV enthusiast for years but uh, he said exactly that I mean the, the EV in the house uh, in theory uh, um, was only for local use but they wound up using it more and more and they wound up using it for long range journeys because it's cheaper and it's a better car mm. And I, I think that really is the testament of when you talk to EV owners, they have a totally different perspective on what EV would be buyers have, you know, yeah, so, and yeah. I think there's a big gulf between the two and there's a big knowledge gap. So it's it's really well, hard know, to try and close that. Yeah, you rarely find an EV driver who says they're going to go back. Yeah. In fact, I, I don't know anybody really who has. I think a few times they go, oh, well, I didn't know this or, you know, I learned something new about being an EV driver. But predominantly the experience has been a very positive one. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, so how about you, Geraldine? You, you're one of these people who you, you almost literally drive a different car every week, don't you? Uh, um, what, what have you driven recently that's, uh, that's appealed to you? Um, I actually have the new Volvo uh, C40, their new electric car this week, which is actually oh, quite nice. nice. And it, it's one of, a, of a, there's a kind of a new um, car, new kind of um, make coming out at the moment. They're calling them crossovers, but they're essentially what they are is they're they're not as low to the ground as hatchbacks, but they're not as high as SUVs. So the Hyundai okay. Ioniq 5 would be similar, the uh, Kia EV6, which just recently won the European Car of the Year. And now this Volvo are all the same. So as I said, they're kind of lower to the ground than SUVs but they're family okay. cars, but it's actually a really nice, um, it's a really nice car. It has a range of 413 kilometres, so more than enough for anyone. Very good. And, and and that 413 kilometres, I mean, I've heard it said that as a rule of thumb, because uh, manufacturers, even in the old days for petrol engines, they would always make crazy claims for the fuel efficiency. Um, so if, if the brochure says 415 or 420 kilometres, not 10% of that in the first instance, perhaps, Geraldine. And then after that, if you want to do motorway driving, that's another 10%. If, if you're heavy on the on the aircon or the demisters or the heaters, that's maybe another 10%. But it still leaves you, you know, a 300 kilometre range without having to charge that sort of distance. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Connor, all of those, even your fuel consumption official figures are based on ideal conditions, even though yeah. the WLTP moved it more towards real world conditions, they're still not the, the, you know, the exact real world conditions. And there's no doubt on a cold morning, you will see, you know, electric cars like people prefer it when it's warmer. There's no doubt mm. about that. 
but there are tricks. I mean, you know, if you turn on the heating, it is going to draw on your range. But if you turn on the, the heated seats and the heated steering wheel, if you have one, they actually are much better and they don't take nearly as much right. from your battery. So there are tricks that you can implement just to kind of preserve um, oh, the range. I'm, I, 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 I'm, af- I'm afraid I tend to just turn them all on. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Well, I tell you, if you had an electric car all the time, you would learn those tricks. The other thing is the Hyundai Ioniq 5 actually has a heat pump, which is it's designed that it kind of soaks up all the energy that's that's used for all of those. So it doesn't affect your range again. So car makers are looking at ways of preserving range. But in terms of actually driving, yes, I mean, there are, you know, if, if, you, if you put your foot to the floor in a motorway, you're going to see your range deplete. But in a, yeah. you know, in a petrol car, you're going to see the same. But I would yeah, say yeah. your own style of driving impacts the range. And I think that's what people people don't realise and they have to get behind the wheel of an electric car. You can manage the range. It's not something, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a prediction of your driving style more than anything. So the smoother you drive, you know, the more you'll benefit from it. The old Nissan Leaf, the very first generation Nissan Leaf had this lovely um, thing where it used to, you used to have trees on the dashboard and the more you were conserving your range, the more trees were on the dashboard. Oh, so it would good. actually encourage you to drive lovely and smooth. But I mean, it's yeah. the same thing. You will be rewarded the way you drive. So I think that's... The and that was, that that's tr- tr- true in a petrol engine as well. You know, yeah. the, the smooth smooth driving is much more mm. fuel efficient and the, sa- and the same is true in your EV. Um, and there's actually less to go wrong. I mean... It, Electric cars will still break down for one reason or another. They'll still get punctures. They'll, you know, things will still happen. Um, but in terms of the number of moving parts, um, they cost far less to service because there's just far less to do. Uh, and, and there are just there are fewer things on them that can break. Yeah, so that again is the kind of thing you have to bear in mind is this total cost of ownership when you're looking at it. You'd have to look beyond that purchase price because yes, they are much cheaper to to service because of that. There's just, as you say, much less moving parts, much less potential for, for something to go wrong and big hefty repair bills. Also, you get reduced tolls. Um, mm. You know, so there's lower motor tax. So you need to factor in all of these things. And as I said, the, the, the biggest one though is just how cheap they are to run on a daily basis in comparison to a petrol or diesel engine. Yeah. Um, do you know, the tax thing is interesting, Geraldine, because um, uh, it, it, tax is the principal reason why petrol and, and, and diesel are is, is such an expensive way to do your motoring. It's a government policy decision. Mm. Uh, there's a huge amount of tax on it. And that policy decision is not going to change. Um, but it does give government a di- dilemma long term because they've always got a lot of tax money out of motoring, whether it's VRT or VAT on car sales or hugely the fuel. Um, you know, at one stage, the motorist contributed about 9% of all tax revenue. So it's a chunky, chunky amount. Um, and, and as they incentivize us to go green by using tax water, they're going to wind up in a situation, Geraldine, where they'll have switched us all to, to, um, uh, to electric vehicles, but they'll have eroded the tax base on it completely. The government's unlikely to let that happen. Um, So the tax perks, the tax breaks for electric vehicles can't last forever, not when we're all electric. Um, No, they won't. And I mean, this is one of the dilemmas I think that people have at the moment. And I get this question all the time, you know, is should I buy an electric car now because there's grants, but is the price going to come down in the future? The price is going to come down in the future, but I would say avail of those grants now, they are not going to be there forever. And as soon as we see that the the price of electric cars dropping and sort of being on a a parity with petrol and diesel, those grants will be gone. So, I mean, we're we're trying to artificially create that with those grants. That's the whole point at the moment. So, I mean, I would honestly say to people, if you're thinking of going electric, don't wait till the price comes down. Avail of those grants. There's still very generous grants to be had, particularly at the 
the lower end of the market, if you're buying at sort of 40K and below, you're getting yeah. a lot of money off that car. But long term, I suppose, Connor, the interesting thing is how are they going to replace that revenue? And I think probably mm. the most likely thing is some sort of, you know, charge per kilometre that we drive. And um, that's is, the kind of model they're looking at in the UK, how they would implement that. You know, it, it's difficult to see at the moment. There are various alternatives to them. But I think long term, that's what we're looking at. The more we drive, the more we'll pay. Yeah, in principle, that's, you know, it should be technically easy to do in principle mm. because uh, people may or may not know, but your car is tracked. <laughs> um, and that's true to say, Geraldine, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the feature in modern cars is that they will um, uh, auto-locate to the emergency services so that they, they, they carry a, um, it's not actually GPS, I think it's the European equivalent, the Galileo um, yeah. location. So, so your car can be geolocated. And so no reason in principle why, you know, you can't attach that to a tax database and essentially charge you per kilometre might charge you more for driving into the city during rush hour, might charge you less for a, a rural drive. Um, you could easily do it. Um, but of course, that's a very, very big political uh, and social. There's an awful lot of things that would have to be done and you know, an awful lot of people would need to be convinced before you could get there. Yeah, no, it would be a minefield. And then the whole thing about privacy and there would be all sorts exactly. of issues because even that SOS system in cars was delayed, I think, for up to three years because there was all sorts of arguments among the in the EU about privacy and, you know, revealing people's locations and all sorts of things. So it would be fraught with difficulties. Yeah. But as you say, technically, it's, it's quite easy to do. And I think that's probably where we're going to move towards in the long term to replace, you know, the fuel and everything else as the source of income. Yeah, I remember when I was in the AA, we used to always, you know, try hard to stop the price of the fuel going up or try and get them to put it down. Um, but even in our heart of hearts, we knew we were never going to arrive at a situation where there was zero tax on fuel. Um, and, and, you know, likewise, realistically, um, government is going to is going to need the revenue. Um, so we'll all be we'll all be electric motorists and, and we'll all be giving out about motoring and motor taxes. So I guess not much change there, Geraldine. No, no. Not really. <laughs> the future isn't that different, Connor. The future isn't that different. Um, okay. Well, listen. Uh, th thanks very much, Geraldine, for, um, uh, for for talking us through all of that. Uh, and if you imagine our sort of virtual person looking at, okay, I am now going to spend uh, forty grand on a new car. Um, would you say to them, yeah, it's time, make it electric. I would, providing that they can install a home charger. If you can install a home charger or you have access to one in work, but you really need one or the other, I would not be buying an electric car if I was dependent on the public charging network. Number one, it's expensive. And number two, it's it's it could be unreliable depending on where you live. So I would say definitely if you have access to a home charger or a work charger and you have the budget, now is the time. Geraldine, um, that's brilliant. Thanks a million. Thanks, Connor. So that's Geraldine Herbert and her view of where we are with electric cars. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Please check out previous episodes where you'll find chats with people like Shane Ross, Teresa Mannion, Ivan Yates, Dermot Bannon, Brian O'Donovan and others. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkner and you can email me at connorfaulkner at gmail.com. Until next time, drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. 
With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.